Coming up this week, the short-term vacation rental battle continues in Anaheim. Disneyland gives back to Anaheim schools, and we share some exciting news about the Main Street Electrical Parade. Plus, later, Mary Jo and I share our favorites from the Knott's Berry Farm Boysenberry Festival. All that next. From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Design Plug Disneyland Edition, episode 663, for the week of April 2nd, 2017. The Design Plug Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan the perfect Disneyland vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Tom Bell, and I'm joined by my good friends, Nancy Johnson. Hey! Mary Jo Mulata Willie. Hello! Michael Bowling. Hey there, hi there, ho there. And Tony Spatel. Hello. It's really weird because I point at you guys when I do that and it <laughs> I could I could feel that. Yes. Okay. South, south, <laughs> north, east. Okay. <laughs> oh, I just That's thought funny. you were doing calisthenics. Yeah, that too, yes. <laughs> uh, hello to our friends that are listening live on Mixler. If you want to listen and chat live every Sunday evening at seven PM Pacific, head over to Mixler.com. And check out the Disneyland edition live. Uh, also, don't forget the rest of our Diz Unplug family of podcasts. Every Monday, the Dreams Unlimited Travel Show. Uh, live on Tuesday, the Orlando edition of the Diz Unplug. Uh, on Thursday, the Universal Shows release that is no longer live. Um, and let's see, uh, Diz Pop on Fridays. Of course, every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific is the Daily Fix, the day's Disney news in a nutshell. And it is April, Michael. It is. And you know what that means, Tom? Shower, it's April time. showers. Spring. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Brings connecting with water. There Walt's you go. Nice. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, because we... drip, drip, drop, little April yes. showers. That's right. Baby, 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 baby. And we start dripping and dropping new episodes <laughs> of Connecting <laughs> with Walt um, beginning Friday, April 7th. Uh, Craig and I um, are going to kick off our April season with a Disney 101 films and recordings. We're going to talk about our recommendations for noteworthy films and recordings this strengthen our connections with Walt. So this is a follow-up to our Disney 101 we did on books in our last season. And just as a sneak preview of what else we're going to talk about in our April season, we are going to continue our examination of Walt Disney's animated films um, by looking at the history of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. We're then going to continue and and we're doing that with uh, an interview with Disney author filmmaker and historian um, um D- D- uh, Dave Bossert so um th- that's going to be very exciting then on uh, then we're going to um, continue our Disney's Neverland the Disney that never was um, by talking with um, d- friend of the Diz Disney historian and author Jim Corcus about Walt Disney's attempts to make a film of Roald Dahl's book, The Gremlins, and and why that never came to be. And then finally, we're going to wind up the month with uh, with um, uh, we're going to saddle our ponies for a ride through the history of Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom's Frontierland. So you have a lot to look forward to in April's Connecting with Walt. Very cool. Now it is April. However, we are we still have another a oh, week or so left in our Dis Unplugged Disneyland Edition March Madness Tournament. And just I know Tom, you're really nervous about the March April thing. The championship game is oh, played know. in April, yeah, yeah. so we're still close. Yes, and obviously there's more demand for more episodes of this than oh, the NCAA yes. play tournament. Course, yes, yes. Next um, year's ours ours is going to be held in the um in we're the going uh, in February Jerry. through May right next year yeah and it's going to and the finals are going to be held in uh, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium because <laughs> you know it's that uh, that big of a venue is needed <laughs> we could, we could hold it in the Oakland Coliseum because nobody's going to be using it yeah or yeah that's what you know we could do a tour of stadiums that no longer have football yes. teams <laughs> we do each round St Louis San Diego and and Oakland. soon Oakland yes, yes exactly. <laughs> 
Don't bring my hometown pain home. Hey, oh, St. Uh, Louis, yeah. Okay, so I don't have the, the, the um, bracket in front of me. Tony, do you have it in front of you? I will. Okay, cool. Good All right, job, so, Cordova. <laughs> thanks. Uh, so this year, of course, we uh, we went off property and pitted um, Good Neighbor Hotels against Good Neighbor Hotels on one side of the bracket and local or off-property restaurants on the against each other on the other side of the bracket. Um, hotels, we've divided up into north and south, divided kind of by convention way. So ish we had we had a couple that that came over from the wrong wrong side of the tracks but basically convention way was the dividing line um and you'll see that in in these matchups and uh north and south of restaurants was a little more fluid because we had to kind of divide up um garden walk because it was just so much there so yes all right, so we are down to our final eight and in the next oh few minutes we'll be down to our final four which is exciting. Yes, and I'm going to stay at all. I'm going to stay yeah. at these final eight. No, okay. well, mine as well. Yeah, okay. Four hotels, and uh, and then the uh, eat at the places because luckily Captain Kids did not win, so I'm okay <laughs> eating at it. Well, really, oh, it did get really a few to... votes though. So yeah, we were afraid of the for those of us that the, for those of you that weren't votes, listening yeah. to the yeah the Sanjay vote from American <laughs> Idol years back. So all right, so on the north side. Number one, uh-huh. Candy Cane Inn versus number three, the Hilton Anaheim. And I, I think we predicted Candy Cane Inn would win because of it's more of a Disney, Disney unplugged kind of thing. It's a cult. I mean, it, there's a cult following for mm-hmm. that place. Well, there was a cult following for Hojo, and it didn't make it past the. Well, because because the Candy Cane Inn cult was oh, stronger yes. than yeah. the Howard Johnson. Oh, that's right. They were pitted up against each other. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you are correct. Candy Cane Inn wins seventy-two percent to twenty-seven. Wow, twenty-eight percent. And Michael, that's, you've that's, stayed there, right? That's actually the biggest win I've, this week. I've stayed at Hojo. I mean, I think I stayed at Candy Cane Inn when it was um, oh okay not what it is today. Oh okay, so yeah, I sta- I've stayed there as it is today. Well, and how long ago was that? Uh, two, three years. Three years. Okay, and what's what is it? Just the location or the? It's a mix of things. It's kind of nice. Um, it's very well landscaped on the center. It's got a nice breakfast. Um, it's an easy walk because it's on the park side. It's, yeah, I think the um, easy walk it's usually, helps. usually kind of usually affordable. Yeah, usually affordable. It's you know somewhat kitschy because they have a long history. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the rooms weren't bad. I mean, yeah. they were your mm-hmm. basic average room. From what I've heard, because Kelsey stays there often, and mm-hmm. she works for Dreams Unlimited Travel, that's her that's her go to place. Yeah. Really, and she loves it. And she says, um, for one thing, it's still owner run as opposed to um, company. Um, they have a really good deluxe breakfast, co- deluxe continental breakfast, that's um, more substantial than the other the best westerns that are in the same area. Yeah. And they have their own dedicated shuttle. Well, that's yes, I know that was huge. True. The great thing about their breakfast is it's plentiful. You you because you go to some of these places that have the continental breakfast and you go and there's they're out of things. There's always big huge baskets of bagels and fruit and you know everything you want. So yeah, it's a very nice breakfast. Yeah, I like yeah. the breakfast there too. I'll I'll and the the pool area is you eat around the pool area, so that's really nice. Yeah. So who are they going to beat? Anaheim Marriott or Sheraton Park? Uh, so I in the south, uh-huh. the south was oh, that's tough. number one Anaheim Marriott versus number two Sheridan Park Hotel. Hmm. Any predictions? Oh, I would think hard. maybe the Anaheim Marriott just because it's it's a Marriott proximity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a Marriott proximity. They have a really nice pool. Well, Sheridan Park is right next to it. But you're right. Um, Anaheim Marriott wins sixty eight percent to thirty two percent. Ooh, wow. Yeah. I think I voted for Sheraton Park for the historic mm-hmm. value. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we, I hate to, you know, to be a downer, but I think Candy Cane Inn is going to win this thing easily. So it's number one, Candy Cane Inn versus number one, Anaheim Marriott. So we finally got good rate. We yes. finally did good rankings. Uh, we did good really rankings. good this year, yeah. Okay, the more exciting one, which is food. Okay. 
And we'll do the North at the end. So ha- wait, let's, let's talk about how, how did Candy Cane Inn get to the finals? What, who did oh, well, do? let's see. Okay, so Since you have that Candy Cane Inn, I've got it in front of me. Candy Cane Inn, where are you? Oh, you're way up here because you were number one. Okay. Beat Camelon Inn and Sweets. Then they had to play uh, play Best Western Pavilions, beat them. And then the big match was versus Howard Johnson, and they beat them. And they were consistently, I think, in like the 60s at the minimum. At the, yeah. I think the worst they ever did was 60s. Yeah. So they had a pretty – they beat a 1. I mean, they beat a 16. They beat an 8. And they beat a 5. Wow. So – and Hilton Anaheim beat – where are you, Hilton Anaheim? <laughs> I, I got a smaller computer for travel, and I can't see anything anymore. I almost had to put glasses on. We're not going to discuss that. Okay, Hilton Anaheim <laughs> beat. Um, I don't. I haven't gotten checked yet, but Hilton Anaheim beat uh, fourteen Anaheim Majestic Garden Hotel. Then they beat Residence in Main Gate. They had an easy. Oh, and then they beat Annabella. I think they had an easy. Yeah. Uh, easy Candy Canyon beat Howard Johnson a couple uh, last round, sixty nine percent to thirty one percent. So yeah, they. I think they're well. going to win. Yeah, they might win a hundred to zero. Mm-hmm. All right, let's 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 talk food. Okay, Restaurant South, mm-hmm. we have Joe versus Roscoe. Okay, you can go backwards, all right? Yeah, because I think the most exciting one is the, the last one. Okay. All right, yeah. so uh, number one, Joe's Italian Ice versus number three, Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles. Okay, so why don't we now say who they beat? Joe's Italian Ice, to get to this point, beat the other Joe, Joe's Crab Shack, because Tom and I were being silly. Um, then Joe's Italian <laughs> Ice beat, then Joe beat Ruth, Ruth's Chris who was an eight seed and then Joe's Italian ice beat red Robin and they did pretty amazingly well too. Roscoe's beat. Oh geez. Easy a three, a three seed, and they've scored amazingly well higher than I thought. And my whole argument throughout this thing is do has any of this many people actually eaten there or is it the idea of it? But it doesn't matter because they're this far down. They beat OG's. They beat Park 55 Cafe, and they beat McCormick and Schmicks. I think they had an easy run. Yeah. yeah. But, so. Any predictions? I suppose. Joe's. Yeah. I think Joe's. Well, it's funny because they're so different. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. All right, you ready? Yes. 56% to 44%. Ooh, that was close. Roscoe's. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was, I knew, see, I knew Mary Jo, Mary Jo, anytime I mentioned Joe's, your name was mentioned. <laughs> Just so you know. Because I knew, like, I know she loved, like, I and I kind of thought that would win. And what's funny is the thing that Tom and I always talk about on those mini sods or whatever was, what do people, it'd be nice if we knew what people were, why people were voting for what they were voting for. Was it value? Was it quality? Was it location? Because you could vote for it for many different reasons. Right. Roscoe's, I did not expect Roscoe's to do this well. You haven't lived at Roscoe's oh. as much as I have. Yeah, I th- I thought it would. Yeah, but see, so for me, because maybe because I haven't eaten there, it's the idea of Roscoe's. Mm-hmm. Like now, I've got to eat it to see if it's really worthy of 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 the oh, dude uh, the, the championship. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> oh, the idea have you, have you ever is, tried Joe's Italian Ice? I know. I'm with Mary Jo on that. Joe's Italian Ice is pretty incredible. Have you ever tried it? Me? But yes. It's just Italian Ice. What? Roscoe's is Roscoe's is the full picture. Roscoe's has the chicken. Oh, they it's won got already. The Come apples. on. It's got the it's got the sweet potatoes. It's got the greens. Oh, now wait. I've become a fan of greens. So maybe maybe okay. Maybe well, okay. We, we need to go to Roscoe's. Yes. Okay, now uh-huh. the, the restaurants north is very interesting. And I was trying to promote one over the other. Tom and I were kind of doing that mm. because in and out just sail like sailed through the competition like it was nothing. They beat Tiffy's. They <laughs> well, beat the no. They didn't like it's nothing. Stone Cold Creamery was a really tough one for them to beat. Um, and then they beat Cheesecake Factory to go up against Pizza Press. And Pizza Press beat Captain Kids. <laughs> then they beat IHOP and then Panera. So we have Pizza Press versus In and Out. And my fear. Is that In and Out's going to win because it's In and Out, but really Pizza Press fits more into the fact that it's Disneyland and it's across the street and it's at a hotel. But I, that's just my own personal opinion, one man's opinion. I'm voting. It could pizza be one press. man's dream. Okay, <laughs> I'm rooting for Pizza Press, Tom. 
This was the closest match this week, 54% to 46%. Hmm. In and out Is burger it? wins. Yeah. Wow. wow really? Yeah. Like not we're not booing in. I'm not I don't think I see all of a single disappointed. I don't think we're booing in and out itself. No. It's it it's it's connection to Disneyland. You're the one that and, put it in there. Well, well we ran out of restaurants. <laughs> and in and out everybody loves in and out. Yeah, they yes. had to go in there. Yeah. Well, so now maybe we can find them doing some kind of They'll take a taxi to In and Out. You know, they'll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Specifically, go there. I blame it on uh, Russia. We're, well, on the boards, there people are always asking. <laughs> you know, where's the nearest In and Out? How do they get to it? And so that's. What does I, matter? I it's a legend in most people's minds. Yeah. It is. So In and Out versus Roscoe's. I think this is going to be a Ross. This is going to be a sweet final. It's going to be a rough Roscoe's one. versus Candy Cane. That's what I think. Be, yeah, it's gonna, okay, so, uh, so you're gonna vote. Let's see. Two, uh, so you get Candy Cane versus what do we get? Candy Cane versus the Marriott, and In and Out versus Roscoe's. Uh, voting will start Monday morning and continue through noon on Wednesday. No third. Yes. Wait. Yes. No. Yeah. We said okay. we're recording Wednesday night, so we're we're discussing so- Wednesday night, so noon on Wednesday. You're right, Wednesday night. It could go a little later. It's going to be a late night show. It's late night. You want me to go till saying. 6, six, six o'clock on yeah. Wednesday? I'll be flying in the air to do this because, I mean, obviously we have to do this on location. Yes. I'm flying into Sacramento, so I might just drive to the maybe, Oakland Stadium. Maybe I should just go to a, a local In-N-Out Burger. and. Yeah, I know, and announce it live and see if we I can find a – yeah, we should. What we really should have done is one of us should have been at In-N-Out, one of us should have been at Roscoe's, and yes. then yeah. I heard the crowd just erupt. Maybe we'll do that on Friday. There you go. <laughs> nice. For the results. All right. It could work. Yep. All right. Uh, housekeeping. Anything in housekeeping? That, that was long housekeeping, but sorry. We had to get that done. That was important. Um, that one. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I have one that I saw on the, on the boards today. Yeah, sure. Share um, Yeah, so they say part of the new pathway at Hungry Bear is now open, and... This comes from Jerry P forty nine, and he posted pictures, and it looks like on the side, on the outside of Hungry Bear, where people, where the diners are, they have a walkway that now takes guests to the to the restrooms. Which now I have to ask: Does that narrow the river? Is that what they've done? Because remember, the river used to come right up to the restaurant, right? Because we used to toss bread to the ducks. Um, I know, and I found out you're not supposed to do that because bread's not you only good for ducks. you only found that out now. Yeah, I didn't know <laughs> that bread's not good for ducks. But anyway, so so there's the pictures show this walkway. Um, it's still boarded up, so you can't see what's on the other side of it. You know, they've got the posters and whatnot, but um, it's on the outside of the Hungry Bear restaurant. Could it, could it possibly on the first be, floor? Could it possibly be temporary, or you think it's close it, enough? No. No, no, that that was, that was going okay. to be a permanent walkway. Okay. All right. Yeah, I see pavement and I see boardwalk. Now, I that, mean, it's really nicely is done. Is that where the access for Star Wars experience land place is going to be? That's a good question because it's it. What it does is it goes to the end of Hungry Bear, um, Hungry Bear Restaurant, and then the fence stops you there. You know, mm-hmm. so you can go in. But that would make total sense, Tom. Except it's not that wide, is it? Yeah, it's pretty wide. Okay. It could fit two double wide strollers across. Maybe <laughs> That's three. not that wide considering the Disney. <laughs> Maybe land. three no. two two double wide strollers and a single stroller. Um yeah. it it's a it's a thoroughfare. Of course of course um most people will use the other probably the the Frontierland entrance, I would think. So Very interesting. It's starting to come together. Only two years to go. <laughs> I'm going to be off the show. The rest, I'm just letting you know. Just I'm. We're having a big burger conversation over here on Mixler. Uh, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, I'll, okay, I'll see so, you guys. I'll see you guys next week. Okay, let, let me throw my two cents in. You guys are talking about Steak and Shake. We had we had a Steak and Shake open just mm-hmm. down the street. The first one in the Fresno area. Um, it is not your East Coast Steak and Shake. 
No, is, it is not. There is no value menu. There are no waiters and waitresses. You order at the counter and they deliver it to you. And a burger and fries is like eight dollars, and and shakes are four twenty nine and four ninety nine. Wow! Like at, at the steak, yeah, the steak and shakes yeah. in the Midwest, you get like you get like prime rib for three fifty. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, they're not. Yeah, it's kind of like the one we in were very disappointed because ours ours in Burbank started as one of the good ones. Yeah, one of the and they started by the Midwestern uh, Midwestern model and then they changed it. Yeah. There's a steak and shake. Um, oh, there's a steak and shake that just opened on the promenade in Santa Monica. We were down in Santa Monica today, and I was shocked to see a steak and shake <laughs> where the old deli used to be right there at um, um, at Broadway and and Third on the promenade. That's we're getting a. I think it's Five Guys or something in our town. I don't oh, know we what have that is. Now that's that's, a, that's expensive yeah, we have one too. In Mm-hmm. And it that's does, high calories are huge, yeah. and it's extremely high calorie if you look at the calorie menu. Mm. All right, right. Um, moving on from the burger discussion. Um, sorry, we digressed. Um, because every theme park show should have a burger discussion. <laughs> no, right? Um, <laughs> well, we got another episode. Oh, the did best I burger 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 yeah. um, Mary Jo and I are are talking about um, Boysenberry Festival later, but I want to talk uh, just a second about. The new security procedures at Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you like long lines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, so no. when we were there, what eleven o'clock? Park opened at yeah. ten. It was it was close, getting close to eleven by the time we were in line, and it was it was crazy. Um, there, there's just not enough place for people to wait. Because the the um, new security tents are almost to the street. Oh man! Uh, yeah, but my, the- my yeah my advice for you though is there are security tents on the marketplace side, and then there are more security tents on the what would be the north side, which would be close to La, on the like the La Palma side. La right? Palma, yeah. yeah. Use mm-hmm. the ones on the on the north side because. Everybody from the parking lots is coming from the, from the south, or most of the people from the parking lots are coming from the south. So if you use the north ones, even if you're from coming from the south, go go behind and go over to the the north side. Those lines were um, way quicker. I didn't use them. Yeah, but I, allegedly they're way quicker. Yeah, and and what it is is the lines are actually abutting up to the market. I think it's Virginia's. Yes. Um, no, not Virginia's, but whatever storefront that is. Yeah, that's, I it's, think that's Virginia's. Was yeah. it Virginia's? Yeah. They were going all the way up to the store, and then people were just, like, bunching up. Yeah. And so it's a little yeah. confusing because you're not exactly sure which line you're in. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense, Tom, to go over. So the La Palma side is when, you, when you're driving in um, on Buena Park to the parking area. That's the La Palma side. When you first go in, then when so you— So it would be kind of like by Camp Snoopy. Yeah. 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 So if you're facing the entrance, go to the right side. Um, I have and, a and then again they they have um they have they do they check your bag uh you go through a metal detector and then you get to the gates. And it looks pretty permanent. Yep. Those those it's way metal more permanent. Detectors it's way more permanent up. than the Disneyland. Yeah. Tents. I have a different um. Housekeeping. Okay. So um, this is this is the the time that I'm seem to be celebrating a lot of friends who are turning sixty. Hmm. And one of my good diva friends turned sixty. And we went to a restaurant called The Ranch, which is pretty close to Disneyland on Ball Street. Okay. Have you? I have, will vouch for whatever you say. I've been there. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there were seven of us. The Ranch. If if you guys are looking for an alternative, um. To eating there on Disney property. If you have a car, even if you want to Uber it, it's pretty, it's really close to Disneyland. And I would rate it above Ruth Crisp and, and Morton's, way above them. We can I <laughs> can I support you before you start going on the menu? My son, whenever I talk to him about, hey, I could take you to Steakhouse 55, I can take you for he got good grades. And he remembered at eighth grade graduation, he went to the ranch. We took him to the ranch, my dad and his girlfriend and I. 
that's the place he still remembers. And also, and then I'll be quiet, let you go. Um, they, I went, I chose that place because everything was like grass fed and all that stuff. And my yeah. dad won't eat anything that's not clean. So continue. They, they grow their own produce. They make their own. And I, it's either a whiskey or a something. Mm-hmm. One of those, those signature type drinks, they make their own and they age it. And it's just really, really well done. So between the seven of us, we ordered a porterhouse steak and what they call the cowboy ribeye, which Kelly, my daughter, says is called the, oh, shoot, I forgot what it's called, T, not T-bone, something, hammer, hammer bone? Nancy, you might know. Anyway, um, this, no. it, it's, it's, the, this, it's between seven of us, we couldn't finish the two steaks. They wow. were so huge. And we were looking at all this meat. Anyway, so um, typically the steaks are for two people or two people maximum, but they allowed us to order the two for the table and they actually sliced the meat for us. Um, I highly recommend the restaurant if you want someplace nice. And if you're not going to eat at Steakhouse 55 or, or Napa Rose, this is definitely a five star, ho- five star restaurant. They also have next to it a, um, place where you could do country western dancing but it's with it it does have a ten dollar charge into that place but again highly highly recommend it and yes the ranch is expensive i think the um porterhouse steak was 116 dollars, and the um cowboy ribeye which was probably three inches thick it was a big piece of meat was 159 if i remember smokes Or vice versa. One of them was 159. One was 116. So yeah, wow. it's it's expensive, but totally. Uh, like I said, it's if you want someplace special, which and like Tony said, the quality of the food was outstanding, outstanding. Anyway, so that was that it, was where I was. And you never time. get a three inch thick steak anywhere. Anywhere. Oh, and we and we wanted we wanted medium. Well, it was 116 for the steak and two sides. Um. If you, oh, I how many that. ounces? How many ounces lot, is that? Five thousand. Seven. One steak would have been fine for four people. It was yeah. huge. But we asked that we asked a gentleman. We said, okay, these these steaks are for two people, and seven of us couldn't finish. You know, the two of them. He said, there's guys who go in there. They each order one steak each. Wow. Big eaters. But anyway. Highly recommend. Like Tony said, it's it's high quality, and I was totally impressed. I would go back there again. So can you get and they ste- do sell- Can you get steaks for one, or is yeah, everything? Yeah, no, like they that? had plenty. Okay. Yeah, they had uh, like if you wanted a regular filet mignon or, or one of those, there. I mean, they ran like um, I think the ch- they were like thirty to sixty dollars. Okay. Which well, is typical not, for yeah. steak. Steakhouse prices, yeah. Yeah, they were regular steakhouse prices and the salads and stuff. These are just two huge, humongous steaks. And like I said, we split them. These are things that they're known for. Right. All right. Uh, Any other housekeeping? Oh, I do. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, Last week, I was at the Walt Disney Family Museum, and I met up with Bob Gurr. I've heard of him. And Yeah, yeah. He's friend of the Diz. He still remembers going on the, uh, the Diz cruise. Podcast and he, two, I yes. think. Oh, right. Pardon me. Two point oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he he did have a comment that he's never been invited back. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so, but no, it was interesting. There is a new documentary um, on Bob Gerb that they uh, that they showed at the Walt Disney Family Museum. You know, um, you know Bob Gerb bringing dreams to um, you know, making dreams a reality, and it goes through his whole career. And what what's interesting is that that they um, most of it is interviews with people that he worked with, and uh, and then Bob fielded uh, you know a whole bunch of questions. And uh, you know, he's eighty five. He is the world's oldest Imagineer. As he likes to point out, it is amazing how sharp he is. I mean, he is yeah. as sharp as a tack. And I remembered that I, I read somewhere, heard in an interview, that one of the best ways that as we get older, which is, you know, a topic I'm interested in, as we get older, one of the ways that we can remain you know, sharp is to learn things that are hard. 
And that isn't just doing that isn't doing Sudoku puzzles and <laughs> things like that. It is really doing learning something that is hard to do, that is difficult, that stretches our mind. And I th that has to be one of the keys to what he does, because in the making of this documentary, and they had the, uh, the you know, the producer there, and she is the, uh, she's the one behind Ape um, Press, um, press which is a pen press i should say and they do they have these wonderful aerial views and, and photographs of disneyland from the time it was orange groves on her father actually uh, was contracted by walt to photograph the the construction of the park and she is one of only eight people that is licensed to um, use Walt's image um, her father was licensed to use it and it was something that could be passed down and uh, well, much to the surprise of Joanne Disney Miller as it turns out and uh, but uh, so she made this documentary but she hired a professional crew and all that to do to do the documentary and what happened was they botched it completely and in order to clean it up it would cost fifty thousand dollars which was money she didn't have so she told that you know when when bob followed up with her saying hey what happened to this documentary she explained the dilemma she was in and he learned how to um edit and um you know, and and work with soundtracks and all of that. And he basically, he said he did the the he broke the rule that they say you know should never do, which is don't edit your own documentary. And he completely learned all the software and everything in his eighties how to basically make a documentary film. Nice. And, and and he takes on things like that. So I, I just think he's just a remarkable man. And he's still hilarious. You know, and um so anyway, so it was it was a treat. And I'm I have no doubt that our listeners will hear more from Bob in some upcoming episodes of, of um, my history segments. So stay tuned. But anyway, it, it was just a absolute delight uh, that he Very was cool. at the Walt Disney Family Museum. Nice. Yeah. Any other housekeeping? Nope. Before we head on to news, uh, let's talk a bit about the Main Street Electrical Parade, which surprisingly <laughs> has been extended. I don't know. Is it a surprise? Has been extended to August 20th. Oh, it's not That's glowing away? No. Well, not until oh. August 20th. Uh, yeah, let, well, we'll let, see. Let the speculation begin. As I said on the on our Facebook page, um, so some some people are speculating that's because there are delays with Phantasmic, maybe. Um, I mean, that would surprise. I me. think it has been way more popular than they expected. Mm -hmm. um, I know initially they during the week uh, during the slow times they were only doing one show. And they've they've since bumped that up. Even even when the park was closing at like <clears throat> nine o'clock, they were still doing a like a a six o'clock and an eight o'clock or something crazy like that, just so they could get two shows in. So, hmm. as Ryan in the well, chat room says, Main Street Electrical Parade is never going to die. No, it'll always come back somehow. But well, the nice thing is it'll be there for the D twenty three Expo. That's I have kind of interesting, yeah. That has to be something to do with it mm -hmm. and the anniversary of the park. Right. But I know we've been hearing stories that they're they're having issues with the new version, with the special effects of the new version of Phantasmic. Right. I, I hope they do. I hope they have to scrap some of that. But that's really? just me. Oh yeah. It's the well, it's the replacement for Peter Pan. It's yeah, exactly. that segment. Yep. Oh, see, Peter Pan is so classic. I I am bummed that they're yeah, that's why that I'm, they glad, are, I'm glad they're having trouble. Yeah. I like that's, to see what happens with changes. I don't know. Let the changes happen at Walt Disney World. <laughs> Walt Disney World is great well, for, for changes. I that's, like that's change, one that, yes. that's one that needs changes to their version. As oh much gosh, as, yeah. even though I like that it's it's different, that there's differences, that, that Pocahontas scene just needs to be replaced. Or shortened. And then another segment 
dropped in. Like Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. Anything. Yeah, make, them, uh, make them take pirates. All right. Moana. I mean, anything. Yeah. All right. I'm not um, really sure what you can drop in with Moana. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's time for the news, Tony. In- indigenous peoples. Yes. Yes, <laughs> Owners of Anaheim short term rental properties are going to see some restrictions eased as the city has tried to settle their lawsuit. City staff say the changes approved by a split city council will lead to a settlement of the lawsuit filed by the Anaheim Rental Alliance, but also could extend the time some rental owners were given to phase out their businesses. Existing rentals were given 18 months to phase out their businesses, Airbnb, etc. Um, owners represented by the Anaheim Rental Alliance almost immediately challenged the phase out or amortization period and filed the lawsuit. They said they needed more time. So the vote does not gar- guarantee a settlement of the Anaheim Rental Alliance lawsuit will occur. The terms of the settlement ultimately would need to be approved by all 300 of the short-term rental owners represented by the Anaheim Rental Alliance, according oh, wow. to city staff. So that ain't going to happen. Um, one of the original regulations meant to ensure strict enforcement required rental owners to provide immediate access to city code enforcement to inspect rental properties, but it was removed after a judge raised concerns that the regulation would violate Fourth Amendment prohibition or warrantless searches. The council voted four to three with council members Jose Moreno, Denise Barnes, and Mayor Tom Tate voting against the changes. The si- changes to the city's approval can include extending the time trash cans are required to be removed from public view from the current 5 p.m. to 12 midnight because you got to wait till after the parades are over, which is when residents are already required to have them, the trash cans removed, allowing rentals to park one car on public streets. They were previously prohibited from parking on public streets, removing the requirement for some rentals to install in style install fire sprinklers and additional exit doors make it a minor violation to have an outdoor disturbance during quiet hours change the number and type of violations that can be accumulated before a permit is potentially revoked tate said for residents living next to short-term rental homes 18 months is already a long time to wait and objected to provisions that would potentially extend that time the city is legally required to allow owners with a vested interest in a property to recoup the investments they made based on their short-term rental permit Although how much time they need to do so depends on each case is in, and is debatable. The city has only received two hardship applications so far, but expects to receive up to 284 applications. Tate, Mayor Tate defended the original ban ordinance. We came up with a solution. Of course, they didn't like it. And of course, they sued. That's what happened. Tate said of rental owners, I say we stand with the neighbors and do the right thing. This is never going to end. Okay. I know. Yeah. If you got to get 300 people and they can. Okay. So they, they are requiring the homeowners to install sprinklers. No, they changed that. Okay. No, but that I mean, was but, one of, but before it's how many, how many single family residences have. I know. None. Yeah. Okay. So they removed that requirement, okay, but that was cool. the things they were trying to yeah, do. That's crazy. Yeah. So in happier, more musical mm-hmm. nudes. Yes. Uh, Disneyland Resort has started to share with the school communities as I'm trying to make the starting up so I can go faster and I should have just read it. But anyways, the program called the Anaheim Music Makers Exploratory Wheel provides five different musical instruments for fifth graders to try out for six weeks to see if they want to continue learning to play in sixth grade and beyond. And Disneyland is supporting this in the schools of Anaheim. In addition to providing the instruments, it includes funding for teaching professionals. Besides the more than $378,000 donation from Disney, NAM, and the Yamaha Corporation of America also provided funding. Yamaha's funding we don't care about. When Disney – I added that. When Disneyland ended the Mad Tea Party in 2016, special guitars made for the live entertainment show were returned to Yamaha. They, in turn, auctioned off the guitars and donated the proceeds to the program. Okay, sorry, Yamaha. That was a nice idea. Yeah, it was the only, funny, it was only yeah. like nine grand. Okay. The funding provides for a five-year commitment to the program with fifth graders at the two schools in the dis- at two schools in the district each year getting a chance to try playing the five musical instruments that include trombone, flute, trumpet, clarinet, and violin. Besides, the famous mouths, two other representatives were on hand to help with the announcement, and we don't aren't concerned about them. Oh, one of Disneyland's ambassadors for 2017-18, and Laura Hamlin, a member of the Disneyland band. Disney also funded a program to help students at elementary schools learn how to stage a musical production. There you go. How many elementary schools are in Anaheim, Tony? Like, there might be 
a hundred. Like, I don't know if that's crazy <laughs> or like 40, like there's gotta be at least like 30. So more than 10. So they only did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll find that out. Okay. I like how you th- assume I knew the actual number. I can tell you there's at least nine. Well, you, I, oh, no, you there's worked seven in that area. No, but I, yeah. no, I worked in the area, but it's a different district. Okay. Anaheim elementary school district. Oh yeah. Let's see. That's six. Times two is 12, times two is 18, 24, about, yeah, there's about 30. Okay. Not 100. That was bad. <laughs> That's it. Very cool. That is the news. Unless you want to make something else up. He's done. Okay. <laughs> well, because well, I was done, told, he's done. Well, because I muted myself so oh, yeah, I could yeah. type. Yeah, go ahead. Because somebody yelled at me for he, typing too loud. But then while I was reading... They did not yell at you. I, I quietly they, texted him. Texted it. But then when I was reading the news so professionally, like mm-hmm. Edward R. Murrow, I heard a lot of typing. I'm just going to let it go because okay. I'm a professional yes, yes. newscaster and I don't mind. I'm sorry, Tony, but mentioning it was not really letting it go. Just thought I'd bring that up. Okay, well, my versions of let it go... <laughs> Let it go means I'm going to say so. I don't really let things go. Yeah. You know Were you going to sing or something like that? Yeah, I, mean, I was. I was going to sing Let It Go. But All right. Let me mute Tony. We All know right. that Nancy Nancy's the only one that sings on this yeah. And he got dressed up. Yeah, I don't hour. do Let It Go. Okay. All right. Time for rapid fire. I will go first because I can. Uh, there is a new discount available for on-property stays this spring. You can book now through May 25th and save up to 20% on premium rooms weeknights at the Grand Californian Hotel or the Disneyland Hotel. This offer is good Sunday through Thursday nights from April 23rd to June 15th. Some exclusions apply, of course, so check with your Dreams Unlimited Travel Agent for availability. Um, It is not often you get discounts at the Disneyland Hotel, so it is definitely worth checking out. Um, Mary Jo? Well, this year, Earth Day is on April 22nd, as always, and it's going to be on Saturday. And in celebration, Disneyland Resort is going to be doing some pretty fun things. They have what they're calling Environmentally Art Challenge, which is where the Disneyland cast members are going to be doing artwork. So they're putting, they're finishing up their artwork this week, and guests are invited to visit the Main Street Opera House um, up through May, April 6th to vote for our favorites. So cast members are using their creativity to repurpose glass, plastic, metal, paper, and other recycled items found in their areas. So I think that's going to be really cool. So artwork garbage. Be- they're they're yes. making artwork out of garbage. Yeah, they're, they're, oh, okay. they're repurposing it. Sounds like a Cub Scout it. project. I don't know. Sounds but like modern that's... art that hangs in San Francisco's <laughs> Museum of Modern Art. <laughs> Some of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so their artwork is going. They're going to be on display until April thirteenth. They're in the opera house, and like I said, we have until the sixth to vote on our favorites. And then the next week is connect with nature activities. You can experience the benefits of spending time outdoors and discover ways your family can protect the magic of nature through fun games and activities. April fifteenth through the twenty first within the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail at the Cal- Disney California Adventure Park. We can also view the top eight pieces from the environmentally child art challenge, um, which will be on display. So I guess that they're, I guess they're waterproof uh, artwork, right? And then mm. on Earth Day itself in the downtown Disney district, um, we can celebrate the magic of nature on Earth Day um, at downtown Disney, where we can experience a variety of activities, learn more about the upcoming release of Disney Nature Born in China. And see a working beehive. And that's going to be in downtown Disney. Usually they have things like release butterflies. You know, they've had that in the past. But mm-hmm. this this time, I think it's um, especially with the seriousness of the of the, the bees in nature, right? Um, I think it's important. Oh, my gosh, yeah. That. Yeah. So. Did they sue again? Did they do with the bees? Yes. The bees sued? Yes. Yes. No. Okay. You didn't see that movie? All right. Um, No. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Wasn't that the premise of the B movie? Never mind. Okay. Uh, I missed it. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, okay. Yes, it was. And and since Tony agreed with me, he can go next. Go ahead, Tony. Wow. I've never, and you know what? I'm glad I clicked on my link because I'm always last. So, no, No, I'm always last. Click on my link. Oh, there it is. Okay. So, 
as for many weeks, I've been looking for what is Disneyland going to do for Easter? No, seriously, rapid fire. I'm like, Easter, Disneyland, 2014, 2015. Well, they finally on Friday released what they're going to do at Disneyland, which makes me think they forgot about it. So spring has sprung at Disneyland Resorts. Here's what you can do. Easter classic tea. Sit back and sip on delightful cherry blossom green tea while nibbling on an assortment of scrumptious treats, such as fresh baked scones, many cakes and tea sandwiches. Young diners will enjoy kid-friendly favorites like bunny-shaped ham and cheese sandwiches. Easter classic tea is available at Steakhouse 55 at the Disneyland Hotel on weekends, March 31st to April 2nd. April 7th. Oh, well, okay. That one's gone. April 7th, <laughs> April 9th, and the 14th, 16th. The, the funny thing is they released this on Friday, the day that it started. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Easter buffet. Enjoy a festive meal with Disney friends at Storytellers Cafe at the Disneyland Grand California Hotel and Spa on April 16th. If you're looking to plan a special Easter meal, the all you care to enjoy buffet with characters all day won't disappoint. And if you click on the link, it does not give you anything special about the menu. No. So I feel I'm starting to feel like as I'm reading this, this is nothing special. Um, uh, maybe. Well, no. no, it's it's their regular menu, but they don't usually have characters at dinner. Oh, okay. Uh, Mickey and his pals will be at Disney's PCH Grill at Disney's Paradise Pier Hotel. Link is just the same. Uh, join us for character dining during Easter brunch and dinner. So there you go. You get it at dinner. All dining reservations can be made online. But there will be an Easter egg hunt on Easter Sunday. Young, oh, young hotel guests. Darn it. Not old hotel guests. But young hotel guests will be invited to participate in an extravagant, extravagant, excuse me, Easter egg hunt. The adventure lawn at the Disneyland Hotel will transform into a field of hidden eggs from 8 to 11 a.m. As space is limited, guests are encouraged to sign up with hotel guest services. And they have an Easter special offer? Okay. So there you go. That's really not that they like be honest, that they like be honest, that they like kind of shove something together and said, oh, well, we'll do this. I I want them to have the smallest in years. I I want a grand Easter brunch. Right. No, like they used to have, right? Yeah. I want a huge grand. It's Disney. They're going to charge me 150. Let's do it. Let's bring it on, Disney. I want to see this amazing a fountain of ham. Yes, that's what I want. A fountain of ham. Fountain I want of, of ham. If I'm I paying one fifty, if I'm paying one fifty, I want a fountain of ham. As long as it's fresh. Yes, exactly. And homemade guac, and then the ladies making guacamole on the side. And fountain of guacamole. Yes. So there you go. That's what you're getting for Easter. Thank you. Kind of. And of course, the extravaganza started this weekend. That goes through Easter as well. That's the Easter egg hunt that you pay and five ninety nine for. So yes. And we're not late on reporting it. They did not release this information yes, until just, yes. like three days ago. Yep. So well, it takes a while to get those fountains of ham going. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. The image just is not very appealing to me. <laughs> <I know. laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm just oh, being mercy. amused by the. Oh yeah, that's your new band name, Tony Fountain of Ham. Fountain of Ham. Yeah, we are. Gr- that's we are hardcore <laughs> grunge. All a right. lot of angst. A lot of angst. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> Nancy, go for it. I'd think it would be full of snout-like music. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Dad joke. <laughs> okay, so w- what do you guys want first? The bad news, the fat rumor, or an update. Mm. Let's get the bad news out of the way. Yeah. Okay, mine is uh, Universal Studios this week, and the bad news is the California Resident Pass just went up to 129. It had been floating between 109 and 119, depending on wow. who you talked to and where you bought your ticket. It went up to 129 today. I know this for a fact because we just um, picked up a pass for my daughter's friend so that they could go this afternoon. Um, And, of course, the blackout days are on the back of the pass, so keep in mind. And they will try and upsell you to um, the next level pass up for another $169, which apparently has some parking included in it. Who knew? Cool. Because didn't they remove all their parking? Mm Mm-hmm. That was huge, and it's twenty bucks a shot to pop, a pop to park. So, anyway, um, so that's the bad. What do we want next? The update or the interesting rumor? 
regarding yeah. Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, update. Okay, updates first. So they have um, they have demolished um, four of the sound stages, twenty two to twenty five, and so that is um, that area is cleared. Um, it hasn't been officially said whether the Secret Life of Pets Stark Ride is going there or the Super Nintendo Land, but that is all gone. Um, on the far northeastern edge of the park, you can see them removing what's left of the old swamp slash Red Sea crossing area of the back lot. And um, there's a big construction wall around the bigger pond area, which was called Park Lake, close to Earthquake. Um, so not sure what's going on Red with that. I forgot about the Red Sea crossing. We used The tram used to go through that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and they always yeah. talked about how it would part. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. They've they've Um, stopped that for quite a while now. Yeah, so needless to say, they're removing a total of, that's um, four out of 13 sound stages that are going. Um, Five, or actually, I'm sorry, five of them are already gone. Um, 22 through 25 and and sound stage 28 are gone. Um, So these are, are, they've they've built new sound stages to replace these. Yes. They're re- um, they're replacing them with up to ten new sound stages, um, including the place where the lake is now. So this is all going to change around. Now they're still doing the construction. Um, the um, Harry Potter expansion is going to be in the Waterworld section. Hmm. So really? that's going to be your diagon alley. That's why Waterworld is going down. Bubble burster. Uh- yeah, and the rumor has it for that is they're definitely not going to be putting in um, the Hogwarts Express because there's no really good way for no. them to do that attraction. I could just see getting in it and you'd be like, boop, okay, you're there. Boop, I'm right back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just sit there while it's shook. Right, and then go, go out the door on the other side or something, yeah. Right. So, um, but Escape from Gringotts is going in up there. So... Anyway, um, but as we definitely know Diagon Alley is having an escape from Gringotts. Well, it, they've got they they didn't get the response they wanted from from what they've put in so far. So why are they spending more money on Harry Potter? Um, probably because people are going. Well, there's not near as much stuff as there is in Orlando. So why should we go to Hollywood? Why don't we just throw, go to Orlando throw instead? Throw more money at it. Okay. Yeah. Also, when when you think about, you know, they're not getting the um, the response. What what else is there to do once you've gone on three three yeah. D effect? Yeah, it's another ride. Three, yeah. It's I when I when I do go over there, I have no desire to go on these attractions again. There's they don't have a repeatability Mm-mm. that the Disney ones do. So maybe Harry Potter does, and and we enjoy that, but. I, when I do go to to Universal Studios, I'm I'm done like in three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, they're they're working on the Super Mario World that we talked about on the show, and there's more information that's kind of come up. Um, there's possibly a mock-up for a Mario Kart themed ride that's going to go in that because they can use all their uh, properties in Mario Kart. So, you know, because Mario Kart combines a lot of their games. You know, you get to pick characters from different games and put them all together in different carts. Um, So, who knows what's going to happen. It's going to be a small area for the Nintendo Land. But, I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff up there and out there. Um, The Biggest update is actually more of a rumor, and it looks like a pretty exciting rumor. Apparently, the guy to follow on Twitter, if you're into Halloween Horror Night, is um, designer John Murdy, who um, is the mastermind behind the mazes. Um, He's made, like, over 60-plus mazes for Halloween Horror Nights. But um, he's been... Apparently, this guy goes to like Ireland and locks himself up in a remote location to write his ma- to do his mazes. And apparently, the new one he's been working on is codenamed Writer's Block. And it's he he's been posting out little hints apparently on his Twitter feed, which all hints 
seem to be uh, seem to be uh, leading us towards The Shining. Because, you know, the story of The Shining, Jack Nicholson's guy is a writer who mm-hmm. right. um, who goes to write his novel while taking care of this hotel that was... All work funny. and no play. Jack <laughs> the boy. Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, um, and apparently the last clue this guy sent out was he's working on a super iconic scene that is, quote unquote, bleep near impossible to realize in a maze. Fun. There's one. Well, one of the classic scenes is the elevator. Hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's really easy to do the two little girls in the long hall. It's really easy to do the door, you know, him hatcheting through the door. It's really easy to do things like that. But okay. no, no. Okay. Thank you, Nancy. Michael. Okay. Well, it's a new month, which means new activities at the Walt Disney Family Museum. And beginning April 18th, you can buy tickets to their next exhibition, which I am very excited about. This is the new exhibit is Awakening Beauty, the Art of Ivan Earl. And, you know, you had last year there was an exhibit at Forest Lawn down in Southern Mm -hmm. California of his art. Well, beginning May 18th, 2017 through January 8th, 2018, the Walt Disney Family Museum is going to have um, a retrospective showcase on the life and work of Ivan Earl. Um, For folks who don't know, he is best known as the lead stylist for Walt Disney's classic feature Sleeping Beauty. He also did the concept art that shaped um, Lady and the Tramp and Peter Pan. And this is being billed as the first ever comprehensive museum retrospective. And it's going to feature more than 250 works, including intricate thumbnail concept paintings for Lady and the Tramp. They're also going to have the large-scale concept artworks for Sleeping Beauty. And they're really going to go into um, Earl's colorful life story, his inspiration, and his creative approach to the art-making process. So they're also going to look at his whole career from traditional fine art to commercial design and to filmmaking. So as I said, tickets go on sale for this April 18th. Members, of course, get in free to this exhibit. This is going to be in the Diane Disney Miller Exhibition Hall, which is the building behind Um, the main museum complex. There's also going to be a members-only preview of the exhibit, so uh, members want to keep an eye out for that. And as Mary Jo mentioned, you know, uh, Earth Day is coming up in April, and in order to celebrate that, the talk of the month is on April 8th. It is a look at Walt's um, true life adventures, inspiration for nature lovers. And as we've talked about before on the show, um, nature documentaries are very commonplace now. But in Walt Disney time, in Walt Disney's times, these documentaries didn't exist. And Walt pioneered this field with his series of nature documentary films, The True Life Adventures. So this Uh, This talk is going to consist of a panel discussion. So um, present will be Lori Adams, and she's the daughter of James Algar. He directed um, 12 of the 14 films. And there's there's also going to be um, nature writer and author Dan Flores. And he, um, his passion for nature was inspired by these films. And Sheila um, Bonini, she's a senior VP at the World Life Wildlife Fund. And so they're all going to talk about, um, they're, they're all going to bring their own unique um, perspective um, that, uh, that um, Walt Disney brought to, uh, to just to nature you know, in general, and the nature documentary. Um, April 29th and 30th, the Teen Animation Festival International for 2017, or TAFFY, will be um, running. I talked about this uh, in previous shows, and this is a wonderful, uh, wonderful opportunity for um, teenagers who are interested in the field of animation. So you you will be able to um, see the winners in all of these and um for upcoming film screenings in april throughout the month of april you will be able to view all the true life adventures from 1948 through 1960 and so you want to check the the calendar 
at the Walt Disney Family Museum website for um, the screening dates for all of these uh, True Life Adventure series. Also, they will be showing The Incredible Journey. This is the uh, 1963 version, which is very different from the um, 1990s version that came out, but equally enjoyable. So, and also what's continuing to run, a wonderful exhibit that I saw last week, Deja Vu, The Art of Andreas Deja, that is open now and will run through October 4th, 2017. And you see some wonderful artwork by Andreas Deja. Of course, you know him as the animator of Scar, Jafar, and um, Gaston, and Hercules, Mama Odie. And Lilo, and he has all kinds of um, art from those, including um, maquettes. He has some fascinating wire sculptures, and also you can see artwork from his upcoming short film that he's independently producing, Mushka. It's about a young girl and her tiger in a story of love and sacrifice set in Russia. So uh, this is also a, a, a not to be missed. Um, the uh, exhibit, and that is in the theater lobby. They're also running uh, an exhibit celebrating 50 years of San Francisco's Summer of Love by an exhibit of the uh, Disney's uh, movie posters of all the films that they released in the 1960s, or in some cases they re-released in the 1960s. So you can see the the psychedelic-themed poster of Fantasia. That was released in the 1960s. So a lot going on. Also, you can check the Walt Disney Family Museum website. We'll have a link in our show notes to them for the different animation classes that they have going on as well. So I will um, look forward to seeing you all at the Walt Disney Family Museum in April. Excellent. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) All right. Um, For those of you listening live, be sure to stick around for uh, Boysenberries. Yay! Yay! <laughs> that is Yay! <laughs> That's Yum! Gonna... Nice. That's going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Diz Unplugged podcasts this week. And of course, we will be back again with you next week. Until then, remember, Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.